scripture this morning is Galatians chapter 4, verses 1 through 7. What I am saying is that as long as an heir is under age, he is no different from a slave, although he owns the whole estate. The heir is subject to guardians and trustees until the time set by his father. So also, when we are under age, we are in slavery under the elemental spiritual forces of the world. But when the set time had fully come, God sent his son, born of a woman, born under the law, to redeem those under the law, that we might receive adoption to sonship. Because you are his sons, God sent the spirit of his son into our hearts, the spirit who calls, us, who calls out, Abba, Father. So you are no longer a slave, but God's child. And since you are his child, God, had, God has made you also an heir. All right, thank you, Corey, and good morning to all of you. It's so great to have you here worshiping with us uh, this morning. In fact, if this is your first time here, we especially want to say welcome to you. If you'll do us just a couple of favors while you're here, if, number one, uh, you'll take a moment to fill out the connection card that you should have received uh, on your way in. It's on the left side of the bulletin here. Uh, And secondly, we would love for you to stop by one of our information centers, which is on the side of our sanctuary, also back here in our foyer. Uh, We have this gift uh, for you. If you'll take one of these, this is just our way of saying thanks so much uh, for joining us. We are thrilled that you're here this morning. I want to share just a couple of announcements before we jump into this morning's message. Uh, first of all, I want to say thank you to everyone that helped out yesterday uh, at our work day. We've been talking a lot about uh, our eKids play area, which will be located in our west lot. And uh, there's a lot of work uh, that has been done. There's a lot of work still ahead of us. Uh, but we had a, a group gather yesterday and uh, a great group, got a lot of work done. And, uh, you know, there's a lot of preparation to be done uh, where now it just feels like we're just kind of moving dirt. And we are, in fact, moving dirt. But uh, we got great, great plans for the play area. And uh, it'll be a lot of fun. And so thank you so much for those of you that helped out yesterday. Uh, we do have a couple of more work days coming up on May 7th and then on May 14th. Uh, so if If you want to be on the list of of folks to contact uh, on what specifically you can do or bring uh, to help us out, uh, then just mark that on your connection card. There's not a a, a checkbox, so just put that on the lines there that says, hey, contact me uh, about the work days. Uh, I'd love to help out. So uh, a big thank you uh, to, to all those that helped out. I especially want to uh, thank Ken Snyder, who is our project manager uh, for uh, the play area. Uh, puts in a lot of work outside of the work days, a lot of planning and preparation. Uh, and a big thank you to him. And we'll be, uh, he'll be busy uh, for the coming months as well as we finish that up. Uh, I want to encourage you to mark your calendars now for our annual church meeting. Now, uh, if that doesn't sound all that exciting to you, um, then let me tell you some good news. Uh, On May 15th is our annual church meeting, and we are going to just use uh, the whole morning beginning at 10 a.m. to celebrate. Uh, Of course, we'll preach the word, we'll worship, we'll gather around the Lord's table for communion, but we're going to build into that uh, just some celebration of what God has done uh, over the past fiscal year, not calendar year, uh, but we're closing out our fiscal year uh, here in the next couple of days. And so on May 15th, uh, we'll have our annual church meeting. Those of you who are covenant partners, we need you here. Uh, We need you here. We will be voting and doing some church business, particularly election of our church board uh, for the coming uh, year. And so we hope that you'll be here, make plans to be here. Uh, And here's our plan. Uh, We tend to, or we want to uh, integrate a lot of the business into the church service itself. Uh, We'll do a short uh, dismissal, uh, and then we'll we'll gather right back here for about 20 minutes of business and elections 
Uh, so we hope to be all done at the normal time uh, or by 11.30. So we can do it, and uh, we're really excited to celebrate. It's been a great great year for us. It's been a banner year for our church. So uh, we hope that you'll be there. Make, uh, make plans and mark your calendar for May 15th. Uh, also, as Corey mentioned, there are a number of opportunities to serve. In fact, we've listed those in your bulletin today. Uh, so if you are interested in any of these uh, areas or opportunities to serve, uh, we hope that you'll let us know uh, because you always get uh, more out of church when you put something in. And uh, so be prayerfully considering about how God would want you to step in and, and be involved. So Uh, Well, let's say a word of prayer, and we will uh, jump into this morning's message out of Galatians chapter 4. Heavenly Father, thank you for uh, this day. Uh, We consider uh, it a tremendous gift. God, we don't want to take any day for granted, uh, but rather recognize, uh, Lord, that you uh, are with us, uh, and that each day that we have is a gift from you. So God, now as we turn our attention to your word, we pray that you would open up our hearts and our minds uh, for understanding, for application. Uh, And God, as we study your word, we pray that we would be formed by it, that your spirit would be freely at work in this place, uh, and that we would be transformed uh, by the study of your word. So God, thank you for your presence in this place. We pray it in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Uh, Well, as we've been uh, saying over the past several weeks, uh, Easter isn't just a single week in the year, uh, but rather it's a seven-week season. Uh, And so I want to continue saying to you, Happy Easter. Uh, We are still, uh, well, although we have concluded our Easter series, we are still in the midst of, of feasting and celebration of new life in Christ because of resurrection. Uh, And the truth is, we love to hear how God is working in your life uh, and how God is encouraging you through the ministry of this church. Uh, And so if God uh, spoke to you any time during our Easter series called The Cross, uh, if he encouraged you in any way, or maybe uh, there was a particular life group discussion that you found particularly helpful, uh, or maybe the people in your life group have been a blessing to you, they've come alongside of you in a time of of celebration or uh, in a time of need, uh, we would love to hear uh, about those stories of how God is at work in and through uh, the people in this church. So if you could do us a favor, uh, if God, however God is working in your life, send us an email at mystory@theroadfc.org. That gives us a, an opportunity to celebrate with you. Uh, God's activity in your life. And so even though we've concluded uh, our Easter series called The Cross and we turn our attention back to Galatians, uh, where over the last several weeks we've been systematically walking through and and seeing what Paul, the Apostle Paul, has to say in this important book, um, we want um, want to catch you up. So if you've only been with us a few weeks, or maybe if you have forgotten, and Galatians seems like a a bygone memory, uh, I want to take some time today uh, to catch you up on where we've been so far since we're picking up in chapter 4. But I could do that, and you know, the truth is I would probably spend 10 or 15 minutes reviewing all the wonderful truths out of Galatians, uh, but... Uh, I was inspired this week because uh, the, the, the DVD release of The Force Awakens has happened in, the, in recent days. You guys know that? The Force, have you heard of this movie called The Force Awakens? Okay, and it, it was just released on DVD a few days ago, and uh, it's actually the first Star Wars movie I've ever owned uh, and purchased, so I purchased my first Star Wars movie. Uh, and so, yeah, <laughs> thank you. Uh, people are applauding. Um, so... Uh, to celebrate uh, the, the release of The Force Awakens, I thought that we would do uh, a Galatians review, but that we would do a Star Wars style. Uh, so, so let's roll that now. Galatians chapter 
That is the most efficient Galatians review we've ever done. So that brings us to chapter 4, where then Paul talks about and talks to us about being, in fact, a child of God. Uh, So our passage this morning in Galatians chapter 4 opens with a word picture. Uh, He says this in the first couple verses. He says, what I am saying is that as long as an heir is under age, he is no different from a slave, although he owns the whole estate. The heir is subject to the guardians and trustees until the time set by his father. Now, the word picture that the Apostle Paul is giving to us uh, is the picture of a child who is the heir of a great estate. But as long as he is a child, he cannot take ownership of the inheritance. Uh, So I want you to picture in your mind, and and I want you to think Bruce Wayne. Now, for those of you who are not uh, brushed up on your superhero origin stories, uh, Bruce Wayne is, in fact, Batman. Uh, His parents die when he's a child, and he inherits this great estate. But until he becomes to an age of maturity, he's really just a slave. He has no rights or privileges, uh, but in fact, that all belongs to his his butler. And so, uh, what Paul says is is that as long as this... uh, this heir is a minor, he is no different than a slave. He has no rights or no privileges for the estate. Now, he's painting this word picture in order to get us to a particular place. And and what he is, in fact, saying is this. He's trying to say that under the law or under the old covenant, uh, you, that is the people of God, uh, you were a minor and you were held in slavery. But he says that you were held in slavery to the elemental spiritual forces of the world. Now, that sounds pretty serious, right? Uh, You were held in slavery under the elemental spiritual forces of the world. Now, throughout the Apostle Paul, throughout his letters that he wrote, there is this uh, motif of spiritual warfare. Paul wants us to understand, as he says elsewhere, that our primary battle is not against flesh and blood, but it's against the principalities of darkness, And so there's this spiritual warfare motif that the Apostle Paul has. And so anytime that he he says that we're held in in slavery or in bondage to these spiritual forces, what he is essentially saying is that there are evil powers in the world that seek to accuse you and hold your sin over you and lie to you. In fact, throughout Scripture, one of the, one of the primary names for the Satan uh, is, in fact, the one who accuses. Uh, and so you'll remember, actually, in our, our series called The Cross, one of the things that we learned is that uh, because of Jesus Christ on the cross, God no longer holds our sins against us. 
But the very thing that the accuser, the enemy of your life, is trying to do, in fact, the only thing he can do, is, in fact, hold your sin against you, hold your sin over you. And so when the Apostle Paul says that we're held in bondage to these spiritual forces of the world, what he is saying is there is an accuser who is trying to hold the sin by which we have been made free because of the cross, but there's an enemy trying to hold that sin over us and against us. So, in fact, uh, they had a great inheritance waiting for them, but they couldn't take hold of it because they were still under the, under the law. They were still children. They were still enslaved. What Paul then goes on to say and how he builds on this word picture is he says, the coming of Christ and his work on the cross is precisely like when a child who has a great inheritance waiting reaches maturity and then is able to take hold of their inheritance. Uh, so Paul is essentially saying, the point, he is making, the point that he is making is, in fact, that in Christ we have this great inheritance, and because of Christ and his work on the cross, we have reached maturity and are able to take hold of it. So uh, let's bring this into uh, sort of outside of, of their world. Let's move it into our world. Uh, what this means for us is that with Christ's work on the cross... Your, your period of enslavement, your time of enslavement has, has ended and the time of salvation has in fact come. You have been set free uh, from slavery to the powers of the world and you have been adopted into God's family by faith. And so Paul is, is again, he's painting this tremendous picture of uh, you once were under slavery, in slavery to Sin, the bondage of sin, the hold of sin, uh, the grasp of sin on your heart, in bondage to the accuser who is holding your sin against you. But now because of Christ, Paul says, you have in fact been set free from those things. And he, the word picture that he uses is you have been moved from slavery to adoption. And he, he basically draws a comparison between these two things. You once were a slave, and now you are a child. You once were enslaved, now you have been adopted. You see, the good news of the gospel of Jesus Christ is that through faith, you have been moved from slavery to adoption. I want to just spend a little bit of time here in looking at the differences between slavery and adoption. When you are in slavery, you are mastered by someone or something. When you are adopted, you are loved perhaps with the most radical kind of love. Uh, that there are, are ties uh, that, that aren't there by blood, but it is there by choice. And so there is this reality that through the gospel of Jesus Christ, and as we enter into, uh, the, as we accept the gospel by faith, we go from being mastered to being tremendously loved. Now it isn't that we weren't loved before, but we were in fact mastered. And that's what Paul is essentially trying to say. You go from being mastered to being loved. Because as a slave, your life is defined and governed by that which has mastery over you. I want you to understand that. Whenever you are enslaved, your life is defined and it is governed by 
that thing that, that holds mastery over you. That could be a thing, it could be a person, it could be an addiction, it could be a, a habit, an attitude, whatever it is. But if you are enslaved today, your life is defined and governed by the thing that enslaves you. And Paul says that because of Jesus Christ, you go from being mastered to now being adopted. And when we are adopted, our life is defined by and governed by the one who loves us. The one who loves us. And I really think that today, if as a, as a church and as the people of God, if we could recognize and if we could grab a hold of the fact that through faith we have been set free from mastery, being mastered by something, and we have moved into being adopted as a child of God. Where our life no longer has to be defined or governed by that which used to master us. But Paul wants to say you have been set free with a radical kind of freedom. And so now you can simply live defined and governed by the one who loves you. I want to imagine your life not mastered by the sin that seems to hold mastery over your life, the sin that you can't seem to to gain victory over, that attitude, that habit, whatever it is. I want you to imagine a life free from mastery of that thing where you just sit in the confidence, in the certainty, and the assurance of a father who loves you. Where you don't have anything to prove anymore. And we might say, man, that life seems so far off. But Paul wants to say that life is right here. And it has been offered to you through Jesus Christ. Now again, as we talk often in this church, that that what, what the gospel of Jesus Christ does is it fundamentally changes us. It fundamentally changes who we are. It fundamentally changes our position before God. But the real trick and the real challenge of the Christian life is learning to live into what is already true of us. But today I wonder if we could just sort of rest or if we could grab hold of this truth. You have been moved from slavery to adoption, where your life no longer has to be defined or governed by the thing that has mastery over you, but rather you have been set free from that so that your life can be governed and led by the one who loves you. That each and every one of us, by faith, have a Father who loves us. We have gone from being restricted to a life of freedom. And, and a lot of times, restriction actually comes through doing evil. Uh, when, we, when we participate in ways that are against God, that are against the ways of God, that aren't, in, that aren't congruent with the ways of God, uh, we often think that that's tremendous freedom, but actually that's slavery masquerading as freedom. And so we live a life of restriction by uh, walking in the ways... Uh, that are not in accordance with God's ways to what Paul says, an opportunity to live freely by the Spirit according to the ways of God so that we can move from restriction to freedom. But a lot of times the way in which we talk about freedom and a lot of times the way our culture talks about freedom is actually slavery masquerading as freedom. And Paul says we've gone from sort of the false freedom to the authentic freedom. But it can only be done 
in Jesus Christ. And then he goes on to say in verse 6, he says, Now because you are his sons, God sent the spirit of his son into our hearts. And this spirit who calls out, Abba, Father. When you place your faith in Jesus Christ, the spirit of God comes to live in your heart. Now, if you've grown up in the church, you've heard that since you were a child. Ask Jesus into your heart. Uh, And it all sounds a bit mystical, does it not? Uh, But the point is, is that when we place our, our trust in the finished work of Christ on the cross, God, through his spirit, takes up residence in you. That God, I wonder if we could just sort of get out of our, our uh, Sunday school mind, mindset and begin to just realize that when we place our, our faith, when we trust in the finished work of Christ on the cross, God, through his spirit, takes up residence in us. That God is living, God in his spirit is living in you so that he might live through you. And so when Paul, he's leading us to this sort of crescendo or this exclamation point of you are a child of God and you are an heir with Christ. And to get us there, he says, when you have placed your faith in Christ, the spirit of God cries out inside of you, Abba, Father. So how is it that we can rightly call the God of the universe our Father? Well, it's because His Spirit, the Spirit of Christ, lives inside of us. And His Spirit cries out, Abba, Father. The only way that we can become the children of God, the sons and daughters of God, is if His Spirit takes up residence in us and then cries out to God the Father, Abba, Father. And so it is that Spirit inside of you that cries out. And so I want to sum it up this way. When you place your faith in the Son of God, you receive the Spirit of God, who then bears witness to your spirit that you are a child of God. Let me say that again. When you place your faith in the Son of God, you receive the Spirit of God, who bears witness to your spirit that you are, in fact, a child of God. Now, in practical terms... What this means is that it is the Spirit of God inside of you who gives you confidence that you are, in fact, a child of God. What does it mean to be a child of God? Or what does it mean, in fact, to, be, to have confidence in the fact that I am a child of God? Well, a couple of examples are this. Have you ever had a moment in your life when someone treated you poorly? And you got to thinking about how you were no good and you deserved that poor treatment. You deserved to be made fun of. You deserved to to, uh, be ridiculed in that way. That, That their poor treatment of you began to affect how you thought about yourself. And as you were in that moment, have you ever had a moment where you realized that you are a person of unsurpassable worth? That you are loved and valuable 
That every time you have sort of this, this natural inclination to sink down and say that what they said is true, but something inside of you rises up and says, no, in fact, it isn't true, but I am loved and I am a person of unsurpassable worth. That is the Spirit of God inside of you bearing witness to your own life, your own heart, your own spirit, that you are, in fact, loved and a child of God. That's the Spirit of God inside of you, bearing witness to your heart and affirming the truth of who you are in Christ. And so the reality is, is that in our life, there are often two voices. There is the voice of the accuser, and there is the voice of the Spirit. And the reality is, is that both the accuser and the spirit can often be voiced through other people. So it's not, oftentimes it's not sort of this mystical experience when I'm in my quiet time or or, or, uh, this sort of mystical experience that just lands on me at an unexpected time. Most often, the voice of the accuser will come through someone accusing you, trying to hold your sin against you, trying to treat you poorly, bring injustice against you. And you can believe that lie. And then oftentimes it's also the voice of the Spirit who chooses to use also someone else, a beloved friend, a spouse, a church member, who says, no, 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 that's not true. You are valuable. You are loved. You are a person of tremendous worth. That's the voice of the Spirit. And so the reality is we often just have a choice of, of what voice do we listen to in our lives? Have you ever had a time when you had such confidence that God was close and all your hope was in him for, for all things, that your hope was in Christ for all things, that maybe, maybe in the midst of, a, of what other people would look at and they would say, that is a hopeless circumstance. You have no hope in the midst of all of this and yet you were able to maintain, you were able to, to continue grasping on to hope for the renewal of all things. That is the spirit of God inside of you, bearing witness to your own heart, to your own life and to your own spirit. That, in fact, hope can never be lost, that love is never conquered. And so anytime that you are in a situation where everyone else looks at you and says, oh, give up hope, and you refuse to do it, that's the Spirit of God inside of you. Bearing witness and crying out, Abba, Father. Have you ever had a time when you didn't think you were good at anything or that you had anything to offer? But then all of a sudden, and maybe it didn't seem like all of a sudden, But eventually you came to a place where you found purpose for your skill, for your talent to be given over to the goodness of God, for the the glory of God and the good of his kingdom. Where you could begin to to fashion things, to order things, to offer a service, to do something that that you were good at. Where you once came from a place where it was like, oh, I have nothing good to offer. I have no skills or talents. But then the spirit of God comes inside of you and he bears witness to your own life and to your own heart that you have something to offer for the good of the kingdom of God. That's the Spirit of God bearing witness in your life. You see, all of these moments in our lives are when the Spirit of God is bearing witness to your sonship or your daughtership with God. Daughtership. I made that up. I can do that. Your sonship or your daughtership with God. That's the Spirit of God in your life and in your heart freely at work. And so again, the, the whole 
the whole picture that Paul is painting uh, that, that has kind of got us to this point and where he wants to lead us here in, in chapter 4, the first few verses, is that this tremendous freedom that we have brought into, that we are in fact a child of God, but then where, where he closes this passage is, so, is he says this, so you are no longer a slave, but you are God's child. And since you are his child, you are his heir. Remember, this whole passage began with this picture of a, of a child who has a great inheritance waiting, but needs to be brought to a place of maturity. And what Paul, again, is essentially saying that because of Christ and his work on the cross, your time of maturity has come. And you have an inheritance that belongs to you. You need only to step into it by faith. And by doing so, by placing your faith, your trust in the work of Jesus Christ on the cross, by believing in the gospel of Jesus Christ, you are brought from mastery and, and, and uh, being a slave. You are brought into freedom and adoption. You are called a child of God. But he wants to make this point clear. That it is, that when you are a child of God, there is something that is true about you. And that is that you are an heir with Christ. In another one of Paul's letters, he, he says that we are co-heirs with Christ. Last week I said that because Jesus is our high priest, we get to share in his righteousness. And Paul presents a very similar idea here, where we get to share in the benefits that, are rightly, that rightly belong to Christ, but we get to share in them because we are heirs with Christ. And so I want to, I want to simply state it for you. This is what it means to be an heir with Christ. What is true of him is true of you. What does it mean to be an heir with Christ? Here's what it means. What is true of Christ is true of you. Someone said that what is true of him is true of them. Referring to the community called the people of God known as the church. That what is true of him is true of them. What is true of him is true of you. That's what it means to be an heir with Christ. What is true of Christ is true of you. And when you think of that, when you, when you realize the magnitude of that statement, you begin to realize this, the incredible inheritance we have received in Christ. What is true of Christ? Christ is perfectly loved by his Father. Christ is perfectly righteous, perfectly faithful. Christ is, is confident in who he is as his father's child. Christ lives his life in service to other people, loving them without condition. There are no boundaries to the love of Christ. In fact, the, the love of Christ is scandalous in the way that it loves people that culture has, has thrown out and said, you don't belong, you're not desired, you don't count. The, the love of Christ practiced in the world is absolutely scandalous. And so this is at least part of the picture of what is true of Christ. But what we've said is that as an heir of Christ, what is true of him is also true of me. And so I would want to say this to you, church. 
You, as an heir of Christ, by faith, are perfectly loved by God the Father. That you are loved without condition. That God says to you, simply, I love you. It's not, I love you, but. It's not, I love you, when. There is absolutely no conditions to the love of God in your life. God loves you without condition. And I think for some of us, if we could just get a hold of that one thing, we would be set free. If we would just realize the depth and the riches of God's love for you, you would stop having to go around your entire life trying to prove yourself to other people. You are an heir with Christ, and Christ is perfectly loved by his Father, and what is true of him is true of you. Today, by faith, you are perfectly loved by the Father. Now, again, this is one thing that, that precedes our faith. In the Church of the Nazarene, we believe in this thing called provenient grace. It's a grace that chases after us, which means we don't earn God's love. It is poured out freely among all people, and Scripture makes that clear. That even today, if you have not yet placed your faith in Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior, you are perfectly and without condition loved by God. But guess what? Christ is also perfectly righteous. Which means that as an heir with Christ, we get to share in his righteousness. That whatever righteousness we have is not of our own. But it isn't that, that, that Christ sort of transfers his righteousness to us. It is, in fact, that Christ is the righteous one and we get to share in his righteousness. Remember, his spirit, the spirit of Christ lives inside of us. And it, and it is crying out, Abba, Father. And so whenever we participate in acts of righteousness, we are sharing literally in the life of Christ. That we are ministering in the name of Christ. That we are being uh, the, the spouse that we need to be, that God desires us to be. But we are doing it in the name of Christ, for the glory of Christ, and for the good of his kingdom. So we get to share in his righteousness. Jesus Christ is also one who is perfectly faithful. And guess what? The good news is that as an heir with Christ, we get to share in his faithfulness. That any act of, of faithfulness on our behalf is a sharing in the faithfulness of Christ. You see, I, I think that we need to do away with a Christianity that is all about just personal effort, pulling up our own bootstraps, just kind of going and getting this thing done. Go and be faithful. We need to let go of that kind of Christianity, and we need to adopt and accept and embrace a Christianity that says Jesus is the righteous one. Jesus is the faithful one. And as an heir with Christ, I get to share in those things. And so God, by your spirit who lives inside of me, may, you, may those things be manifest in my my life. Does that make any sense, church? But so much of our preaching has centered on just go and get busy and try to, to, to just be, put forth more effort in your faith. The whole essence of faith is that I'm relying on the work of Christ in my life. And it's the Spirit of God inside of me enabling me to share in these things. 
You know, Jesus Christ is perfectly confident in his position before the Father. And I think a lot of Christians could use personal confidence of who we are in Christ. Not confidence based on accomplishment, not confidence based on, uh, on, on style or how uh, the metrics of how other people think of me or any of those other kind of things that our culture screams at us. But can we just have confidence in the fact that I'm a child of God and that's it? Perfectly confident before the Father. The other good news about being an heir with Christ is that we get to partner with Christ in loving service to the world. I wonder what would happen if the church dared to love as Jesus Christ loved. What would happen if the church dared to love without condition? Not say to people, I love you when you get your stuff together. Not, I love you, but... Uh, there's some certain things here and here and here in these conditions and conditions and conditions. But what if the church just began to love as Jesus Christ loved? The good news is that as co-heirs with Christ, we also get to partner with Christ in loving service to the world. And so I simply want to say this to you. The Spirit of God, by faith, is in you. Bearing witness to your own life, your own heart, your own soul. What is true of you because of Christ. What is true of you because of Christ is that you are an heir with Christ. You get to share in Christ's faithfulness. You get to share in his righteousness. You get to participate in his, his, his love. You get all of these things. These things are true of you. But as I've already said, there is a dissenting voice. It is the voice of the accuser. And it is the voice of the accuser trying to tell you you aren't loved, you aren't worthy, you aren't righteous, you're incapable of faithfulness, you're incapable of obedience. And I simply want to encourage us to walk in such a way that we are listening to the Spirit of God and not the spirit of the accuser. That we are, are, are forming and shaping our lives. That we are walking a, a, a faith. We are practicing a Christianity that allows us to listen consistently to the voice of the Spirit of God in our life. Who bears witness to our own heart what is already true of you because of the work of Jesus Christ in your life. Let me tell you just one way that I have started to um, tune my ear uh, to the truthfulness of the Spirit inside of me. Uh, as you know, or as you may be aware, uh, Justin and I uh, had the opportunity to go uh, to a conference um, in recent days. I think it was now three or four weeks ago uh, that we returned uh, this conference was simply named Prayer School. I thought, oh, good, we get to go for a day and a half and learn how to pray. Uh, that'll be good. Uh, and, and really what I anticipated was a lot of information about prayer. Uh, here's what prayer is and, and kind of a theology of prayer, but that's not what this was. Uh, what this was was a, an opportunity to practice uh, praying. Uh, and, and what the presenter essentially gave us was a, a liturgy uh, of prayer. It was the, the, the primary th 
point was prayer is not a way of getting God to do what we think God ought to do. Prayer is about being properly formed. Uh, And if I'm up here telling you that there is uh, a way of walking in Christianity that we can begin to listen and trust in the voice of the Spirit of God and not the voice of the accuser, that's really about being properly formed. Uh, It's really about where does our heart lie and how can we we really listen uh, to the voice of the Spirit rather than the voice of the accuser. So what we were offered and what we were given is a liturgy of prayer to, be, be, to begin walking through. Uh, it includes many ancient prayers from the Book of Common Prayer, uh, but prayers of confession, prayers of affirmation, prayers of, of thanksgiving, etc. And a couple of the prayers really stuck out to me this week uh, because they are prayers that are forming the prayer to live out their inheritance in Christ. This is what is true of you because of Jesus Christ, but I need to be properly formed, and these prayers help us to do that. And I want to mention some of these prayers uh, to you. One is a prayer that has been attributed to St. Francis. Uh, The prayer is this. Many of you have probably heard this. Uh, But this is a prayer helping to properly form us to walk in ways that are, that, that is, so that we can live out what is already true in us because of Christ. The prayer is this. Lord, make me an instrument of your peace. Where there is hatred, let me sow love. Where there is injury, pardon. Where there is doubt, faith. Where there is despair, hope. Where there is darkness, light. Where there is sadness, joy. O divine master, grant that I may not so much seek to be consoled as to console, to be understood as to understand, to be loved as to love. For it is in giving that we receive. It is in pardoning that we are pardoned. And it is in dying that we are born to eternal life. Amen. See, when we pray that prayer, there is something being shaped and formed inside of us that we might walk in ways that, are, that we would bear witness to our inheritance in Christ. Does that make sense? Let me give you a couple of other, other prayers that I think really stuck out to me. This is the prayer to the crucified Christ. It says, Lord Jesus, you stretched out your arms of love upon the hardwood of the cross that everyone might come within the reach of your saving embrace. And so now clothe us in your spirit that we, reaching forth our hands in love, may bring those who do not know you to the knowledge and love of you for the honor of your name. Amen. This is part of the prayer of thanksgiving. It says this, Give us such an awareness of your mercies that with truly thankful hearts we may show forth your praise, not only with our lips but in our lives, by giving up ourselves to your service and by walking before you in holiness and in righteousness all of our days. Amen. Two more, this very short ones, this prayer. Oh Lord, open our lips. You can personalize this. You could say, Oh Lord, open my lips, and my mouth shall proclaim your praise. Or this one, glory to the Father and to the Son and to the Holy Spirit, as it was in the beginning, is now, and will be forever. Amen. Hallelujah. You see, these prayers together are helping to form and to shape in me so that I might live in accordance to my inheritance that is already mine in Jesus Christ. And if I want you to leave with one thing today, I want you to leave with this. 
May we live listening to the voice of the Spirit of God who lives inside of us as heirs with Jesus Christ. Thanks for listening to the Emmaus Road Podcast. We hope this message has been encouraging to you. If you'd like to support the ministry of Emmaus Road, you can do so online. Just visit theroadfc.org and click online giving.